to take our Bibles. <clears throat> Turn to Titus chapter 2, Titus, the second chapter. I had to work really hard there to, to pronounce my T's. Scottish people from the part of Scotland that I'm from don't pronounce T's. American people pronounce them as D's. So we're all in some kind of error, aren't we? <laughs> so Titus chapter 2. <laughs> So I know we read this last time, but let's just go ahead and read over it again. Titus chapter 2, let's read responsibly, I'll read the first verse, and you can read every alternate verse thereafter, Titus chapter 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Dear God, thank you for speaking to us ever. If we heard your voice once, we are light years in a universe away from anybody that had never heard your voice. You've spoken to us personally. You've given us a book that was uh, God-breathed, spoken by the Holy Spirit, written through men. God, and uh, we're looking now for your grace uh, um, throughout our lives to give ourselves to this book, but even right now, as we consider its contents and uh, seek to live by it, by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name and for his glory, we ask it. Amen. Amen. So, if you were here last Sunday, uh, we spoke about self-control taken from Titus chapter 2, and... Uh, noting that 
to every category of people, they're told um, this translation uses the word sober or sober-minded or temperate, but every category of people are told to be uh, self-controlled. Um, so therefore, we concluded that self-control is central to the Christian life and it is it's an inescapable fruit of Christian living. Of course, Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, but it's central. And Paul told this younger pastor to teach it to every single category of people. And what little he could tell him in one paragraph, how to be a pastor, he only had one paragraph, Titus chapter 2, it was self-control, self-control, self-control. So um, we should take the time once in a while to be reminded of this and to note it and um, just kind of recap a little bit on what I said last week before I move into another area. But um, the word that's translated here as self-control um, has two comes from two roots in the Greek. One of them is sozo, which means to save, to rescue, to deliver, to be made whole. And the other word, fren or fran, means to rein in or to curb. So to walk in wholeness and, and salvation and deliverance through the reining in and the curbing of sides and parts of our nature and behavior that need to be reined in and curbed. Amen. Um, so to be, uh, or an, uh, in other words, it means to put the brakes on, or in the words of one person I liked it, to say no to what we need to say no to, and to say yes to the things we need to say yes to. That can take self-control as well, can't it? Um, but to be sober-minded, um, or to, to be self-controlled, is... is is actually to be undeceived. Because anytime you have a negative mentality towards a message of self-control, you're deceived. If you think self-control is boring and miserable, you're deceived. The devil's got you well tricked. No, self-control is joy, is peace. Holiness is happiness. That's the truth. So to be sober-minded is to be undeceived because you value temperance and moderation. No matter how good something looks, feels, or tastes, it's better to enjoy it with restraint because... Um, However good it looks is most likely a deception of the flesh because things are not usually as good as they look or necessarily as they look. Really? This thing didn't let me sit down. Or I could just use the other mic if I need to. Things are not usually as bad as they look or as good as they look because if, however way something looks is distorted by our humanity. Our human perception is off. If you have a telescope, it's called an aberration. It's some kind of um, problem in the lens, or if you're a photographer, right? There's some kind of problem in the lens and when the light goes through that problem area, it's not a true reflection of what's there. And that is what our human perception is like. Our human perception is distorted by our humanity in the flesh. That's why things are most likely are never as good as they look or as bad as they seem. Uh, and in terms of temptation, it's always like as good as they seem or as good as they look, right? And you always find out after you indulge in the thing too much that it was not what it promised to be, right? So you were deceived when you made that decision to do that. And as Christian people, our goal is to be progressively less deceived through the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. Um, so, and we spoke about last time, um, and I've mentioned this already, about bad attitudes towards self-control. Um, here's uh, three bad attitudes we spoke about. First of all, I can. 
And that's the, that's the kind of gung-ho people, oh yeah, come on, bring it on, self-control, whoa, you know, I can do this, this is great, I love these messages, you know. Well, you're probably deceived. You're probably not as self-controlled as you think, you're probably not as good as it as you think, and you need to trust Jesus. Or then there's the attitude like, oh no, don't talk to me about self-control, I'm so condemned, I fail every time, I can't do this. Well, you're deceived, you can do it. It says in verse 11, the grace of God that brings salvation and one translation says, teaches us to say no. The grace of God teaches us to say no. So, and then the other um, bad attitudes that we mentioned last time and have already said today is just that, that attitude of, this is negative, this is old-fashioned, this is not part of Christianity today. Well, I don't know. The Spirit of God has not changed in 2,000 years and the Bible hasn't changed. And it's a very positive message. This message is really, I don't know about you, but it's really encouraging me a lot. This is one of the most encouraging things I've run into in the last six months. So, um, uh, and we spoke also last time about the kind of almost misnomer of it that's called self-control. And it is through an exertion of our own being to a degree, but it's also really through the Spirit of God being allowed to control us, the Spirit-controlled life. Um, so we cleared the deck of those things. Um, and I want to move on to uh, two new areas today. Uh, the first area is why we can be self-controlled. And the second area is specific things that we ought to be self-controlled in. So, so why we can be self-controlled in the Lord. Number one, the Word of God says you can. The Word of God sets an expectation. I mean, we just read it together in one chapter in the Bible. Actually, I was just reading Proverbs chapter 1 the other day. And when Solomon starts talking about his wise words of counsel and the ultimate reason for why they were given so that people can live a self-controlled, prudent, wise life. Right. That was half the reason for the whole book of Proverbs. And it's not just in Titus chapter 2. Um, but yeah, the word of God sets that expectation that we can, with God's help, live self-controlled lives. Our God would never tell us to do anything that he wasn't going to give us the grace to do, right? So that's the first point, is to is to shut down that expectation that we cannot do that. Now, that is not to say that there's different degrees of self-control. You know, we may still be coming up in our levels of self-control in some areas, but we can do it, and we can make progress in this area through a greater revelation of the Holy Spirit and how God teaches us how to live appropriately. So we can do that, and that's what we said in verse 11. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, verse 12, teaching us, and the King James says that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live self-controlled, righteously, and godly in this present world. And the Amplified said that the grace of God in verse 12 has trained us. The Holy Spirit is a good teacher. When we say we can't do something that God says we can do, we've got more faith in ourselves and our own failures than we do in Almighty God. The grace of God, verse 12, this is amplified, has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness, irreligion, and worldly passionate desires to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world. So that's what God's grace is doing in our lives. So the second reason why we can be um, self-controlled in the Lord is because we actually have purified motives by the Holy Spirit. Okay, get this. If the world can live self-controlled lives through false motives, 
Can't we do it through true motives? When we see the people of the world, the athletes, the business people, um, whatever walk of life where human beings have achieved success, you better believe that they are self-controlled and disciplined people. Well, the reason why they controlled themselves is because they wanted something. And James actually says, where there is selfish ambition and envy, there is every kind of deceit and falsehood. I can't remember quite how it says that. Sorry, I didn't have that verse in my notes. But um, the world is achieving a form of self-discipline because of their own carnal ambition their desires, I've got this goal and I want it and I'm going to make it happen and if it means I have to stay up late and get up early, I'm going to do it and that's why I'm doing it. That's worldly drive and worldly ambition, okay? It's just total selfishness. So if the world can be self-controlled through a negative motivation, can't we be self-controlled? Because we know that through that there's the peace of the Lord and we can actually enjoy God's presence and walk free from guilt in the presence of God? I think we can. Um, so that's the second reason why we can be self-controlled is because God has given us the right motives by his Holy Spirit, by the renewing work of salvation in our lives. Our right motives is that we just want God. That's all we care. We don't care how good we look. That's not why we're trying to be self-controlled. We don't care about having a successful business, although if we're in business, no doubt we want to be successful, but it's not just to make ourselves look good and make a million dollars. God has sanctified our motives, so we can do it. If the world can do it, we can do it. The third reason we can be self-controlled in the Lord is because we have a new heart. You know, it says in Ezekiel 36, he says, a new, a new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. I'll take the stony heart out of your flesh and, and put his spirit within us. So a new heart means that our will is changed. That's what it means by a new heart. We want to please God. Um, and... We want to live a self-controlled life because it's, because it's right in the word of God and we know it's right by all spiritual intuition. We, we have that motivation to do it just because it's, it's the right thing to do. It doesn't have to be a million dollars in it for us. So thirdly, because we have a new heart and fourthly, because again, in Ezekiel 36, it says we have a new spirit. We have this tool that is the ultimate deception buster. You know, if temptation revolves around being deceived, we have this tool, if you want to, I mean, I'm not trying to be inappropriate about calling God himself or the Holy Spirit, but he is like a, in a way, a tool to avail ourselves of. But if we, if we don't avail ourselves of him and his presence and just say to God, hey God, I really, I've been really, really wanting a fish tank for a long time. And I've seen a few fish tanks at yard sales and I've got to have a fish tank. I'm thinking about fish tanks all day long. And it'd be so cool just to have fish and to have just to kind of chill in that water and those fish blubbing around there just in my living room. I just know that is what I want and what I've got to have. But God, as a man of the spirit, I know there's nothing I've got to have apart from you. Will you show me that I don't really need a fish tank? Oh, thank you, Lord. It's God. It's God. Like that. That's you know, now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a fish tank. <laughs> you know, God might be, I want to bless you with a fish tank. Here's a fish tank, you know. But you know what you're like when you just get in this place and your mind is bound and you're just in this zone. I've got to, you know, I've got to have or I've got to do the single thing. I've got to. Well, should we run that by the Spirit of God first and see if he says, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. Or if he just lifts it off you and you suddenly realize, I don't need that thing. That was deception. It appeared in a certain way and it was not the way that it appeared. So we have a new spirit. 
um, if we will avail ourselves of him in his presence. So there's four reasons for why, um, why we can be um, self-controlled people. So I wanted now to um, talk about some practical areas that, um, that, that the Holy Spirit is, is helping us to be self-controlled in because um, uh, moderation through, through the Spirit of God applies to all areas. It's a universal lifestyle um, propelled in all areas by our desire for Christ and our desire not to quench the Spirit or to find ourselves in deadness. You've had that feeling when you just feel, oh boy, that was just dead. There was no life in that at all. And I just so ran into that. And I just so overspent myself or overindulged in or overgave myself to that. And you just like get three quarters of the way through it or all the way through it. And you're just like, that was just so dead. God was nowhere near that. Do you know what I mean? That's just, we want to learn. We're trying to learn more and more from the Holy Spirit not to find ourselves stuck. Okay? Um, so... So yeah, so obviously it's going to apply to all areas, but here's a few things. Now, a few areas that I might mention, and I'm sure there are more, but in, I always remember the book of Titus because it comes at the end of a section of books in the Bible that are all the T's, right? First and second Thessalonians, first and second Timothy, and then Titus, all the T's. That's how I always remember that part of the Bible. Well, here's some more T's, okay? Six of them. Six areas. First of all, the tongue. Six areas to let the Holy Spirit uh, guide us and teach us into being self-controlled and restrained. James chapter 1 verse 26. You can look it up if you want. Nick may have it up there on the screen. I don't know. James 1 26, but I'll read it to you. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. Ooh, this man's religion is vain. Now that is intense right there. <laughs> And guess what? This word bridle right here, um, it's not the same Greek word, but it's exactly the same as that word in Titus for self-control, where it says to curb or to rein in. This is the same thing. If any man among you seems to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but see his own heart, this man's religion is vain. And then again in James chapter 3, verse 2, it says, for in many things we offend all, all of us offend, all of us stumble, trip up. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. So that there tells me that if I've got a problem with my tongue, I've probably got problems in other areas of self-control, right? If I've got problems um, in, yeah, and vice versa. Does that make sense? Like self-control, because it's a universal spirit, it's not limited to one area. Oh, I've just got a problem in this one area. Mm, probably not. And the converse of that's kind of cool too, because as we gain ground in one area, we're probably going to simultaneously be gaining ground in all areas. Have you experienced that? I've, I've felt that way before. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's good news. So it's either going to be like a vicious circle or a rolling snowball. A rolling snowball, the longer it rolls, the bigger it gets. Praise God. If you start on the path of controlling yourself, the longer it rolls, the bigger you get. So the more self-controlled you're going to get, the more self-controlled you're going to get. Um, it's the opposite of a vicious circle. So, bless God. First T is the tongue. And um, the second T is the temple, uh, which is our bodies, our bodily desires. Food is one that springs to mind. 
I've got this favorite verse in Proverbs chapter 23. It says this. This is just the humor of the Spirit. Holy Spirit's funny, isn't he? Wasn't Jesus funny when he, when he was on the beach and said, Hey guys, do you catch anything? <laughs> and they already know fine well they didn't catch anything. That's hilarious. Well, here's another funny one for you. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Is there anybody here that doesn't apply to? I'm like, God, that's like hilarious. First of all, in America, every time we sit down to eat, yes, it's like we're sitting down at a king's table, isn't it? Yeah, we're not sitting around eating rice, a totally plain food type, unseasoned for like one meal a day. No, every time we sit down at sumptuous fare, we're sitting at a king's table and every single one of us are men and women given to appetite. So um, fortunately, I, I don't have to slit my throat. I put this verse in the same category as when Jesus says in Matthew, if your right hand offends you, right? No, I'm not going to cut off my right hand and I'm not going to slit my throat. But maybe I need to be that violent in the spirit. And maybe when we pray a blessing over our food, you know, God, thank you for this food. Bless the hands that made it. We should be playing, oh God, plead the blood over my heart because I am a man given to appetite and I don't want to be deceived by this stuff that's on my plate. I want to worship you. I want to walk away from this praising you in freedom, in peace, in joy, because I didn't, there you go, Nikki, you just did it again, you stuffed your face. You know, when it just wasn't even as good as you thought it was going to be. It doesn't matter how good that Mississippi mud pie, super slice, double whatever, double cream a la mode <laughs> sounds, supersized, it's never as good as it looks, is it? And it's never as good as you remember it tasting. Because the flesh will never be satisfied. But the spirit will. Praise God for Jesus. I remember saying to my wife once back in the days before I had enforced dietary restrictions put on my life. Um, and I don't claim anything spiritual because it was enforced, you know, because of my health predicament. I was like, man. Why do people eat ice cream? It doesn't even taste that good when you actually have it. I think it's the idea of ice cream that people like more than the actual taste of ice cream. Now you're really looking at me like I'm mad, right? <laughs> so, somebody's deceived. I don't know who it might be. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, Proverbs 23. Always remember that verse, okay? Um, so the temple, second T is a temple. Another area in our bodily temple is also um, as human beings, as grown men and women, is our sexual desires. And uh, there's various aspects of that that I'm sure need to be self-controlled. But um, men, men have a reputation for, for looking and women have a reputation for wanting to be looked at. But um, I believe Jesus can help us to Amen. be appropriate. Thank you, Lord. And undeceived about what will truly, truly satisfy us. Um, so, um, but on that subject, men, I have another favorite verse from Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 3. And this has universal application in the area of self-control. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And this is applicable, you know, for men in the area of getting themselves in situations where they're going to see a bunch of stuff that they never wanted to see. But it, this verse is applicable in all areas of self-control. Because to me, self-control is not simply 
like being able to, you know, sit in front of the thing that's really tempting you and resist it. There might be some of that in self-control, but I think the kind of self-control that looks ahead intentionally and says, I don't want to even get myself in that situation because I'm a human being and I know what's going to happen, that is self-control too. Because it flows out of a love for Jesus Christ and the things of the Spirit. And whether you want to use that verse to apply you to guard in your heart, like I don't walk past Victoria's Secret in the mall, or whatever it is, or, you know, I use that verse... Um, when, I'm, when I need help in my eating as well, and I tell my wife, honey, I'm on the seafood diet. If it's seafood, I'll eat it. But if I don't see food, then I won't eat it. So just don't leave any leftovers lying around, and don't let the kids leave pieces of peanut butter and uh, toast lying about, because if I see it, I'll probably come through and eat it. And I try and stay out of the kitchen. So however you want to apply that verse, I believe it's universally applicable. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Um, a third T, thoughts. We know that there are various kinds of unbiblical thought patterns that we must rein in. Because we want to. Not because it's like, oh no, I have to be self-controlled in my thoughts. No, because we know that we want the Spirit of God. That's where there's peace and joy and freedom. But there are various biblical thought patterns that we are all very familiar with, whether it's negative thinking, whether it's imaginary arguments with people, whether it's empty daydreaming. But, um, for this um, example of controlling our thoughts, I want to highlight one area. And I call it information lust. Okay? Yeah. Information lust manifests itself as, as manifests itself and is so prevalent with the modern social media and internet availability. I have in my pocket a device by which I could find out, look up anything I want and find out any curious piece of information I want any moment of the day. And that's very dangerous for someone like me. I don't know the way your mind works, but the way my mind works, I'm kind of like curious and I'm really easily distracted. Like if I think of something, I'm like, oh yeah, that's really interesting, you know. Just like kind of look that up on Wikipedia real quick, you know. Um, but it is information lost. And that, when I do that, that is controlling my life, not this, not my spirit. Now, if there's a piece of information that I genuinely need, and I'm like, I might benefit from knowing that. I'll put that on a list. I might look it up later on, check it out if I need to. I'm in control of that. Yeah. But when I'm just hand in the pocket, oh, yeah, cool, let's find out this, then that's information lost. And um, Facebook is, uh, I found to be really bad with that. And um, I told my wife, my wife and I, we, have, we all think differently and our minds work differently. And my wife would be like, oh, I just look up Facebook and I just look up the first thing and then after that I just switch it off. I'm like, you do? I'm like, wow, you're a lot different from me. Because right. if I look up the first thing, I end up going like this. <laughs> and the weird thing is, I don't actually, I'm not actually interested in reading most things that anybody else posts. It's kind of like channel surfing, right? Yeah. Like, you know when you channel surf, you're not actually interested in watching anything, you just kind of chick click, you know, watch a few seconds, no, that's boring, click, that's boring, click, that's boring, click, that's boring. That's what I'm like on Facebook. But then 15 minutes later, I'm like, ah! I'm like, I just wasted 15 minutes! I just like filled my mind with junk. I'm like, God, why did I do this? You know? That's info lust. Alright? So that, um, you know, in the terms of thought life and what we put in our mind, would definitely be an area 
where we could just be taking it to the Lord and just prayerfully, Lord, how can I be self-controlled in this area? Because I'd rather have Jesus <coughs> than, um, than whether it's Facebook or news sites, just reading endless news, whatever it is. Um, next, T, temperament or emotions. Now, there is a certain gender which has a reputation for being a little bit more emotional than <coughs> another gender. But we all have emotions. And um, I do believe, I mean, we're human beings. God gave us emotions. True. So emotions aren't anything to like negate or feel guilty about. But I believe if the Spirit of God is going to control our temperament, there's a degree to which if we are fired up, Maybe we just need to calm ourselves down a little bit. <coughs> if we're discouraged, maybe we just need to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps a little bit. Um, and taking our temperament to God and letting it run through the filter of the Spirit of God, that nothing's ever as good as it seems or necessarily as bad as it seems. And God can help us just to be a little bit... Like, I'm not saying just you can switch everything off an instant. I'm not trying to say that. But I can say, I think with God's help, and the spirit controlling us, and not just our humanity, that we can be a little bit closer to the center of God's help. Do you agree? Amen. Temperament. The next T, and I think this is the final one that I've got on the list, but you can tell me about others after church if you want, is treasure. Spending. Resources. Binge shopping. Getting a high from buying something new. Now again, like, Ladies might get a bad reputation about this, buying clothes, shoes, whatever. But what about guys buying, like, tech, technology, tools and stuff, you know? Um, hey, we may, may need to buy something new. We need, may need some new tech or some new clothes. It's not a sin in and of itself. But when I'm getting, I'm, like, trying to get a little high cause, or a little bit more false hope because I have something new, Jesus wants to be our hope and our portion all the time. And... Um, uh, you know, we can have um, material needs that need to be, we go out and we need to get certain things. But as we're intentional and prayerful um, about things, which is allowing the Spirit of God to be in control of it instead of just our impulses, we can use our money and our resources, or should I say His money and His resources, to His glory. Amen? Amen. And we can feel good about it and free and blessed and uplifted instead of guilty and um, dragged down in deadness. Remember the Nazarite vow? One of the Nazarite vows was that they were not going to touch a dead thing. And there's a lot of dead things out there that we can touch and that we can get into. But by holding on to the Spirit of God, we can stay in the place of life. Liberty. <laughs> How does that go in the pursuit of justice? I don't know. But God's good. Um, <clears throat> yeah, basically we're all tremendous salespeople, aren't we? And we can really sell ourselves and why we've got to have something. Um, but God, by his Holy Spirit, can deliver us. So again, those are about six T's. And wanted to name specific areas because uh, it helps us just to crystallize things and just to name in public things for what they are. The word of God says, there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So we don't need to feel condemned and guilty because we're probably the only people that know. We're all struggling with the same things. 
And we, we, we all have access to the same Holy Spirit to help us. Father God, thank you for this blessed life. Thank you for the joy and the encouragement to know that there is a place of peace and where the Spirit of God is able to deliver us from things that want to draw us in different directions. And to know that we can give ourselves to pursuing greater and greater degrees of excellence in this area, not through a fear of failure, because we're all on a, this, I believe this is truly a deep lesson of the spirit. And the degrees to which we're deceived in these areas, only through just, wow, really learning the spirit over the years can we be delivered from these areas. So Lord, thank you. We're not afraid to learn. We're not afraid to fail. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.